0: We've never seen Kirk make plays like this. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is the Kirk cousins that we thought we were getting four years ago, and he's now finally coming, starting to come to fruition because he's more comfortable.
1: As good as they were against the Lions and the Panthers, for them to be, you know, a version of that in these next four games, I think you're going to need Anthony Barr to continue to be Anthony Barr. Mm
2: It might be the bye week, but we don't take a break around here. We've still got another episode of MVP coming your way. And it's a special one, not just because the Vikings are now three and three following a walk off victory against the Panthers but also because we have a special guest alongside us today. You know him, you love him. It's Cy Emerson. Cy, how are you doing? You are here alongside Gabe Henderson, Jay Nelson, and myself.
1: Hello, it's wonderful to be here on a bye week. I think that's the right week to have me in because my, my emotions towards the team are at their mellowest. I don't have any angst going forward. I can take a breath about what's behind us, I think you have me on a good week, a week where I won't derail and ruin your show.
2: Well, you know, that's we we, we have a little careful hand in planning those kinds of things. I know having some extra time to recover from this one was a lot. But Gabe, you just came back from the game. You were there. You got to witness it all in person. And I know it was your home state. Your Mm -hmm. dad was on the sidelines. How was the game for you?
0: It was fun. Um, We left with the win. My Cardiologist would tell me not to attend any more Vikings games this year.
2: Ain't that right? Um,
0: but we, but we won, we won, uh, and just to be able to have my family on the sideline, uh, that was cool to have. That was cool to see. They had never been to a, been on an NFL nice. field. Let me put it that way. Uh, so be able, so to be able to to do that in our home state and gain a couple of pounds in the process, um, it, it was it was pretty fun. I enjoyed it. You got th- a Panthers fan? So. <laughs> 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 um, we did not grow up Panthers fans to to answer your question. Um, we didn't grow up Vikings fans either. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, but he the just fact, wanted a good game. He just wanted a good game. My dad wore red to the game. Gabe nice. is such
1: Gabe is so weak. I'll rat him out. He's a kid. <laughs> he grew up a Cowboys fan. He's America's team. You're gonna you're gonna he's, be that he's, guy. He's he's, he's gro- now here's the thing. Gabe and I talk all the time, so I know he is monumentally and wholeheartedly invested in this in this football team and in this state, but I do know, in our next game, we are playing the <laughs> team that he grew up rooting for, running around in his tiny little Emmett Smith. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, so sweet.
0: Yeah, I used to throw up the X when I was in middle school, too. So, Des Bryant, go back to Michael Irvin, to oh, your Troy Aikman's Tony Romo. Has we bl-
2: might need to unpack that in next week's episode, then. Yeah,
0: um, so my dad has already asked me. He was like, so who are you cheering for next week? I was like, Dad, uh, my job goes a lot better when the Vikings win. And I'm gonna leave
2: it at 1000%. But yeah, the 000%. game was good. We won. Good. That's all that matters. Jay, I wanted to call on you for a second because I know you just like size a lifelong Vikings fan, grew up here, all that kind of jazz. So, I mean, five out of six games, I have i can't take it anymore. I'm, I'm losing years off my life.
3: Welcome to the Vikings bandwagon. <laughs> Welcome to the fan group. This is what it's like. This is what you're in for. This is uh, not only the Vikings, but, you know, we've had this discussion a little bit all of the sports teams potentially this is kind of the way that it goes this is what keeps you interested but the the one thing that that does do for you as well is you find out really quickly how invested you are in this team yeah yeah because either you get to the point where you're like mentally I can't handle this and I have to really wall myself off or you're wholly invested in every single week is a roller coaster so Welcome to the roller coaster.
2: I'll give it to you this way. Like being in media, sometimes you become numb to the fact of your fandom. Like you have to play this certain non-bias for, for lack of a better word, where you're kind of like neutral in a lot of settings. And so for the past 10 years, like I kind of haven't had those feelings really. I mean, you know, obviously when I watch LSU a little bit more, but when I covered LSU, it, it, it kind of became this like. Oh, I'm shooting AJ McCarron throwing a, a overtime touchdown in my face because I have a camera on my shoulder, and I'm like, I can't.
0: You're worried about be your job.
2: Mad about it, I have to make sure I get this game winning shot, and it's like, oh, You're like deflated, but now, I mean, even last night at the Wild game, I'm jazzed. I like have like I scream at the television now, like I screamed mm. at the game. Like it's kind of cool to have it back, despite it being like agony.
1: I when I I am the opposite I'm incapable <laughs> of being professional and I I respect you for that when I was at ESPN after the Minnesota miracle I made my own custom Minnesota miracle t-shirt wore it on Sports Center on Snap and did a whole segment where I trash talked Sean Payton to the point where one of my, like one of my bosses was like hey we get it this is like a fun version of Sports Center but we need you to dial it down <laughs> just a little bit because that was like that was a titch too much. So I, I I'm i impressed that you could pull that off because I am humanly not capable.
0: I think I think to Tatum's point, I feel like I asked PA or Lieber after every game, like, should I be this emotionally invested with this team? And every week they tell me no. But for, but for some reason, they I find it myself easy to like them. Right. It's, how can you not like the Vikings if you're not a Packers or Bears or Lions fan?
1: they're starting to the organization is starting and i don't i don't love this i don't think it's a great thing i'm just commenting on the reality of the situation they are starting to take on we are starting to take on you know, to a certain degree, I mean, I know the Cubs and the Red Sox had a far longer history with it. You know, there are a lot of losing organization in sports. You know, the Lions have lost a lot. The Jaguars have lost a lot. You know, the Timberwolves have lost a lot. The, there are so many teams in so many sports have lost a lot, but there are a few teams who they're, they're losing has a charm to it. And, you know, the, the Cleveland Browns with the paperback, like there's a charm there with the Red Sox, with the curse and the Cubs with the curse. There was a charm there and i think and, and i don't i'm not excited about this but just with the way the last few years have gone with all the kickers and now having what has to be the most absurd six game start in the history of any sport ever played on this earth in terms of just gameplay and the way things have finished and should have finished You now see like Peter Schrager talking about it, Bill Simmons talking about it. And so now the Vikings are, you know, kind of one of those teams that their frustrations and their to a certain degree failures or misses or losses have this charm and rootability to it. So I think that Gabe might be, you know, that draws you in because you want to see that entire fan base and people like my dad and. You know, all these people who have lived with this their whole life to just get that ultimate release when they've lost so many times in such a difficult way. But, I, I like, whatever the hell this six weeks have been, I, that's, that's <laughs> something new. This is, not, this is not missing the kick in the playoffs. These six weeks have been, we could very legitimately be one and five with a mm-hmm. loss against the worst team in the NFL, like a horrible loss. We could just as easily be five and one with a win against, the like, a good win. Yeah, you put in the prep doc, like, what is what is your temperature on, on the season? Where are you at to this point? Um, I don't move. That's where I'm at. I'm mm. going to move away and not watch. <laughs> I, I'm so tired. I'm so tired yet enthused and confused. It's just these six games have been bizarre, man.
3: If, if any of you at this point are starting to realize why when it comes to off season, we talk about getting excited for everything, and I try to be as even keel as mm-hmm. possible, This is why it is trying to essentially wall yourself off from the emotion of, oh, no, what just happened? Or, oh, my God, that was amazing. It's it's trying to have some sort of self-preservation. Right. Mm -hmm. Given that this can be a week to week thing where it is the highest of the highs, the lowest of the lows. And as we were just talking about, you know, how how have people who've been lifers, forever who followed this team, how can they do it? This is why you have a newfound respect for guys like Dennis Ryan yeah. or Fred Zamberletti, who was literally there before from the very first game his entire life and has gone through the the range of emotions with this team. For me, having been on the inside here now for as long as I have and seeing people who've been here for longer, there's a little bit of a remember this and remember that and trying to to, to pick through that to try and find a way to explain away your emotions because okay. – there are those moments where you just you're so invested and it's either you're you're either so excited or it's just so soul crushing that um, eventually I think you you find a way to kind of harden yourself in order to prevent yourself from being either hurt or, or too high on something. and uh it's it it's just part of being a Vikings and a Minnesota sports
0: fan. So does this make me a Vikings fan now? I find myself venting a lot about the Vikings, too people within the company and people that are just fans
1: dude you if you saw my text thread that i am on like my human text thread that i am on with jay and chris corso you would be like you guys should throw your phones in the river on sunday why do you let him keep texting you jay's better at this than me i'm i'm the guy who rides a crazy roller coaster that almost threw me off and i'm like Oh yeah, I'll get on again, fully knowing that they didn't do any of the fixes. Like you know, like it could very well happen again. <laughs> I just climb on, get in the car. What a glutton for bar? punishment. No. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. I'm, I'm real dumb that way.
2: Well, I mean, and then as bad as, as bad as we sound, maybe as like we're like, oh, just so deflated. There have been some very, very great moments, and a lot of. Oh, sure. A lot of just uh, of promise and potential. I know that's a dangerous word when you're six weeks into the season, that word potential, but it, it's there. And this week is a good week to reset. So, uh, Sai, after the, after the wins that we have this season, we do this like minute of power, power, minute of positivity. Um, Love I can, it. I can let you go first if you feel it, or do you need us to kind of pump you up and then we'll get to you at the end.
1: I'll let, I'll let other – I'm a gentleman, so I'll let okay. others go first. All right. Jay, well, it's so on you.
2: we got Jay first? Jay first. Oh, Gabe just, Gabe just put you on the spot, <laughs> That's Jay. That's fine. <laughs> all right, you ready? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Three, two, one.
3: After watching this game in Carolina, I found myself literally standing in front of my television going, come on, Greg, come on, Greg, at the end of regulation. And when it didn't go in, there was this moment of, all right, what do we got? In years past, I think there'd be the feeling of of saying – oh, no, I don't know if we're going to be able to do this. Um, But watching what this offense has been doing, not only in this game, but in multiple games so far this season, there was a sense of confidence when we won the coin toss. I'm like, we're going to drive down the field and score and end this thing. Mm -hmm. I think for me, that is a welcomed change Uh, this, this year is just knowing that when you get into a situation where there's a tight score at the end of a game, you feel like if that ball is in our hands, we have a chance and we are going to win. Um, so that's been a fun thing for me to be able to watch this year. On top of that, doing it in Carolina where I was last time we were facing a a Cam Newton, seeing us be able to get a win down in Carolina with or without a Christian McCaffrey was a a solid win in my opinion, and I really enjoyed watching that game.
2: If you have all of these large wins, I guess you don't know how your team responds in those moments. Unfortunately, we have the other side of the coin where they're always in those moments, and so you don't know how they'll respond, And, and you're right. There was a lot of confidence that Kirk Cousins will put together another late in-game drive, because obviously a lot of his late in-game drives that he's been able to do almost every single week of the season haven't always ended in our favor, but really not to Kirk's fault.
3: It was another game where we were down to this. I think everyone in general has had this feeling of, I need to find a, a time to meet with my cardiologist just to make sure that <laughs> right? we're going to be okay. I've
2: never said the word cardiologist more in my life.
3: <laughs> but but for me, the, the fact that we have had multiple games come down to you got to have it and our offense has at least put us within striking distance to to have a, a chance to win versus having to punt the ball away and cross your fingers that the defense is going to be able to, to you know, flip the field again. For me, the fact that your offense at this point is battle tested multiple times, with the Murderers Row of, of teams that are going to be coming up here yet in the last eleven games, I think if you are in a close game there, there is going to be a sense of confidence that hey, we can still get this done and pull off a victory. It's just how many years is it going to take off of our lives <laughs> watching these games?
2: Whew, I don't have the answer to that, Gabe. You got got an answer to that? Uh, how about a I don't minute? know.
0: I told Rick Spielman earlier this week that I'm twenty nine going on seventy eight. Um, He
2: probably thought that was funny. He
0: said it's very exciting, right? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, um, I don't know if I have an answer to to Jay's question other than just live through it.
2: All right. (laughs) You got a minute? I got a minute. All right. Three, (laughs) two, one.
0: My power of positivity has to be the fact that we put together a, ple- a complete game on offense and defense. Sans the last drive of the game, uh, we've been looking for this defense to step up and only giving up 200 and I think 14 yards, 210 yards throughout the first three and three quarters of the game. I think that says a lot about how special this defense can be if we continue on that track. On the offensive side of the ball. The fact that we have 571 yards of total offense, zero sacks allowed, Dalvin Cook had a uh, quiet 140 rushing yards. I-, I think that is a recipe for success for this offense going forward. I-, I was thoroughly impressed with this entire team as a whole. And the fact that we we put it together from the first play, not up until the last, but the fact that we were able to show some flashes of who we can be as an offense as a- and as a defense. I I was excited with that. Granted, you want to put your foot on these guys throat, like Mike Zimmer said, but I'll take whatever I can get at this point.
2: Very nice. Right on time. That's something that we haven't really seen is, you know, plays 20 plus yards and we know Kirk has the arm. He can Mm -hmm. he can do it. We've got the receivers. We've got the speed. So I'm just ready to see that happen. So, you know, it, it didn't. 100% 100% work in that game but I can take that away as something that we could potentially see down the line
0: those shots that they took we can take with a grain of salt that we didn't complete it but the fact that Clint Kubiak is wanting to take some shots out of sudden change that says a lot about our offense that was one of my keys to the game this past yeah. week is when we have those sudden change moments take some shots the first sudden change moment was the pick on the first play we ran the ball the second play only resulted in three points the second time when we got the fumble play action pass on the first play, 35 yards, we ended up scoring. So mm-hmm. being That's aggressive in that those was, moments. That
1: was that was shades of Denny Green, man. Yeah. If you're a lifelong fan of this team, you remember 1998 when at the time the Vikings had the the highest scoring offense in the history of mm-hmm. the NFL. When we would get a turnover, it, you could be on your two-yard line. You're like, well, he's going to go deep. He's going to take a shot. And I think there's just something just mentally crushing for the opposing to, to not only – be deflated by a turnover, but then to be gouged mm. immediately where you don't even have a chance to catch your breath and react to the turnover. You're already on your heels. I think that can spiral momentum your direction so quickly. So I I think that shot right off the turnover was to Thielen, wasn't it? Yep.
0: Yep. It was a 35 yeah. yard <laughs> play-action pass.
2: Well, that's the uh, thing. I mean, nice. I mean, you hit it right on the head. Like there's the ability is there. You just have to do it. I mean, that's the thing. I feel like that's been half the battle
3: for me. I think this first half of the season, or at least this first third of the season has been so much of trying to figure out who are we like, mm-hmm. what do we have as weapons? What's our identity? We, we were playing the run game as much as we were. Delvin got hurt. Alexander Madison stepped in and, and was able to do some really good things there on offense. But we're now at the point where I think we understand what kind of weapons we really have. Yeah. What is possible? And being able to get to this bye week now, being three and three, knowing what we're facing coming forward, the self-scouting that the defense and the offense are going to do for this team hopefully then can find other places where we can start to exploit teams given a bunch of the weapons that have really stepped up and become key contributors here on this offense.
0: And I think the fact, and maybe I may be in a minority on this, but I think the fact that we are six games in, three and three, and we still don't have a true identity – I think that is a good thing because we can't, a team can't say this is what they want to do. We have so many weapons, like Jay said. Mm -hmm. We can do so many different things that there's so much room for growth. At three and three, being in all these games, the fact that we can still say, okay, well, we can still run the ball effectively if we want to. We haven't really established who our O line is. But at the same time, once you stop the run, we still got some deep threats on the offensive side of the ball. Now we're starting to stop the run on defense. Now we can figure out
3: how to be smart on the back end with our secondary.
0: There's a lot of room for growth for this entire team.
3: One thing that's positive off of that is the fact that if you get in a game where they start to shut you down in the running game, you know you can open up passing-wise and vice versa. If all of a sudden they're shutting down and and bracket coveraging Jefferson and those guys, we saw how big of a struggle at least it was in that Cleveland game. Mm -hmm. Now that you've been through that, hopefully on the offensive side, they're game planning for a way to remedy that again. And we're going to find out, because there's some really good defenses coming here in the next couple of weeks, mm. what potentially that's going to look like. So as long as you're finding ways to not become one-dimensional, I think it's going to be a, a huge benefit for you for the back half of the season.
2: All right, Ty, I'm about to put you on the spot. <laughs> Three, two, one.
1: Well, my positivity is going to come from a place of reality that's going to sound like a negative. So stick with me. <laughs> you only have 50 seconds. That game had the glimpses you know the deep shot to Thielen that Gabe mentioned you know the drive and overtime we've shown time and time again that this team can really move the ball up the field when it wants to and or you, you put 571 yards on the board and you get three turnovers you don't expect to be playing in overtime you know but fair the glimpses are there that if this team gets a little more aggressive, which I think everybody wants to in the right moments and in the right places, I think that game against the Panthers, even though I don't think the Panthers are a great team, showed that this team can compete on both sides of the ball against really good teams, which is what's about to happen, which is what we're about
2: to see. Wow. Yeah, very nice. Nice. Yeah, it's about really to good be... timing. Yeah, clearly, clearly it's that internal clock. You've got the Cowboys, you're on the road, at the Ravens at the Chargers, you've got the Packers coming up, it's not going to be easy. So you can't make those kinds of mistakes. And you have to capitalize on the ones that like the three turnovers, as you said, you have to capitalize on those you can't settle for field goals.
1: You saw a lot of both this past weekend, like people who were really like, hey, a win's a win's a win. And you saw a lot of fans who were like furious that it was that close again. And I think the truth lies somewhere in between those two, you know, gigantic uh, emotions and to be able to play the way we played. And be just a few moments away from executing a full floor-to-ceiling football game. That that very easily could have been a thirty-one, you know, seventeen win. A thirty, like you held them easily. When you look at a block punt, which is a major, major mistake. When you look at the fourth and four from your own, or the fourth down on your own four-yard line, another major mistake. And you look at the first two, like Gabe mentioned, turnovers, when you probably could have been a little more aggressive going for the end zone there. Those are all situations that if, if one or two of those go the other direction, because you, you're never going to execute everything perfectly. You can't expect to have three turnovers each game. You can't expect Robbie Anderson to drop, I don't know, 38 balls in a singular <laughs> game, even though he's on uh, somebody's fantasy team on this program. Uh well, you saw glimpses of what you saw in the Cardinals game, right? Mm-hmm. And th- that, that is the team that I want to see all season long. Like, yes, you're not going to not make mistakes. You're not going to blow – you're not going to be perfect. You'll blow an occasional coverage. Well, this team with its talent and what you saw against the, the Panthers again, you should be able to compete against really good teams and put yourself in a position where if those crucial moments bounce more your way than the other team's way, if you execute a little bit more than the other team, you should be able to win those games. And that, so that was a long way to get to a really weird positive, but the Panthers game to me was like a, it's just a less fortunate, maybe crucially less executed version of what we were able to do in the Cardinals game. So if you can clean up those mistakes, knowing who we were in the Cardinals game, that gives me the confidence that we are going to compete against this crazy schedule we have coming
0: up yeah, yeah you got to think you, one thing you didn't mention was jj's fumble too um right th- this carolina panthers team have 14 drives on sunday three of their scoring drive well three of their drives only went past 38 yards and one of those drives was the last right. drive of the game so that that says a lot right there as far as we, sh- we should have taken care of business i mean it, it looked like we should have just Easily steamroll the team, but you got those key plays, those, those key moments where you got to execute and not let the other team um, get momentum. And that block punt and that fumble and some other things that happened in the game gave them some of that momentum.
2: So this is this a bad time to talk about how that should have been the Lions game as well? I mean, it's just yeah. kind of like the... I mean, it, it, sh- it should have, could have, would is kind of the theme at this point in time.
1: This is an amazing moment for the bye. You know, I, I would prefer a buy a little later in the season, Mm -hmm. you know, just generally. But I think given what we've gone through and what's in front of us, you couldn't have asked for a better week for the buy because we all know this is a crucial season for a lot of important people. You know, this is a big season for Mike Zimmer. It's a big season for Rick Spielman. It's a big season for Kirk Cousins. You know, we've all heard that narrative over and over and over and over again. And I think, what is Mike Zimmer best at? You know, having honest conversations he's not, he doesn't both you're at this moment here where you know you're close as a team and I think when all those coaches are able to spend this extra time together and really push on one another and be honest and self-scout like I think I even heard Zimmer talk about coach Zimmer talk about that in one of his pressers you know for the bye week and so when that happens my hope is that some of the inconsistencies were like we should have squashed this lions team out we should have squashed this panthers team out we should have been in a better position in the browns game we should have executed better in the Bengals game but i think you're just in this perfect position like perfect position is not the right word because you know you'd love to be five and one or six zero. Oh, but if like if you're a competitor and you know how important a season is for you like what more could you ask for as kirk or as mike zimmer or as rick spielman that like you want to you want to be one of the best teams in the NFC. You want to prove who you are. You've got this perfect moment, this perfect bye week after all this weirdness to really focus up and walk forward and, and and prove who you are and prove what you do. So I I'm gonna until proven otherwise, I'm gonna look at the the bye week and where we're at right now as a, a possibly a really big positive and a chance to get right.
2: You have to think that the same things that we see while we're watching the game while we go back and watch the tape or anything like that, they're seeing that stuff too. And they're trying to figure out a way around it. So as much as we sit here and like, think we figured out all the problems, like they're doing that too. And that's what this week is for to your point, Sy.
1: I think it was week one of the season that coach Zimmer came out of the locker room or was going into the locker room at half. And basically was like, Kirk needs to get the ball out quicker. Yeah, you know that. That was that was, and and every fan at home was like, "We agree." <laughs> and and then the team adjusted, and they got the ball out so quick against the Cardinals. They got the ball out so quick against the Seahawks, and so you know, and it was a different game with the Browns. They bring a different sort of pressure. Stefanski knows what we like to do on offense. He knows Kirk really well. None, no one on Twitter or on a podcast is going to have the football understanding of what what's going on from an intricate X's and O's you know standpoint but we all know where this team's at and the coaches you know coach Zimmer has always been pretty forthright about where the team's at and where he thinks the team's at and so that's the sort of that mentality is what gives me hope like end of October November December that's when you really want to be gelling so if Mm -hmm. we were going to go through all these up and downs let's take them in the first six games even though there were a couple of uh, easier teams in that stretch.
2: We were six games in. We've gotten to see some big moments, some really good plays, things of that nature. So we're going to do some in-season superlatives. Um, And we'll just kind of rapid-fire quick answers, go around the table here, and and kick things off. So six games in, what has been your favorite moment?
0: I I think week one, just having fans back at U.S. Bank Stadium – Uh, is by far the most memorable thing for me thus far this year. Not having fans last year and then experiencing that, experiencing that Dustin Lynch concert week one right before the game, having all the purple out there Mm -hmm. uh, in the plaza. And then they made their way over to the stadium. So having fans back for the first time and having our 12th man affect Russell Wilson, who had his first game at U.S. Bank Stadium in his career, uh, made that game just, just memorable to me. So it's going to be hard. Honestly, we can get to week seventeen, and I can probably still ha- still have the same
3: answer. Right? It's going to be hard to top what week one did to me. Jay, I'm going to actually piggyback a little bit off of what Gabe says there, and it's an actually a specific moment for me. The 15 minutes beforehand, we call it kickoff for those who have been at the game. We revamped everything this year, and when they ran the first three and a half minutes, and then there's kind of a lull that right before it kicks into the second part of of showtime, the fans actually got up on their feet and started cheering just one, being back, but two, being able to see what we put together and just having that roar of emotion from the fans and seeing them stand up and cheer loudly. I legitimately sitting in the control room got choked up watching this (laughs) saying, I can't believe how much I missed this. It mm-hmm. was so great to have everyone back in the building. Like you said, that Seattle game in general was electric, but for me, that specific moment of having them back, having them excited and having them appreciate what was about to happen and what was happening was something that really got to me. So kudos to the fans for making me uh, the emotional guy that I try I not it. to be on game day. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love it. Sai, what's your favorite moment so far this season?
1: Uh, stick with me here. Uh, I think... The Kirk Cousins, Mike Zimmer shove celebration.
2: Love it. I like that.
1: It it was, so I'm a comedian. So, just from a pure comedy standpoint, watching a quarterback shout his catchphrase while shoving <laughs> a 60 year old coach who then shoves him harder back was like my, that was the funniest thing I've ever seen. And I'm not one of those people who think it was some like, oh, there's something brewing underneath. Oh, no, gosh, I just thought yeah, it right? was. I thought it was so funny and so great. And I I have eight siblings and there are a lot of different personalities in there. And we all love each other and we all get along. And sometimes we want to shove each other and shout you like that. So (laughs) I think just the dynamic of their evolving relationship this year and now they're watching film. It's it's kind of cute. Well, and you hear pa talking about how they're trying to understand each other it's just a very funny situation that i love and if this team goes on a run like if this team goes on a run and really does something special this year how can you not hang a photo of them like just like they look remember that old gabe you're you're an nba guy that old picture of Dr. J and Larry Bird, just a hand around each other's yeah. throat. That's so famous. Now they were fighting, but this, like if if this you, team you sure Dr. J didn't say you like that? If you, yeah, if you, I think that's more of a Larry Bird shout. Uh, <laughs> If if this team really does something, frame that picture and hang it up right there because I thought that was just such a weird, raw, funny, fantastic moment. Did you see uh, the
2: one that he tweeted out from this past week?
1: Yeah, in the tunnel. Yeah.
2: Yeah, he like with, with his catchphrase on it. You know, having fun yeah. with it. I, I appreciate the humor.
1: Kirk is such a tightly wound guy. You know, that's not a secret and I'm not even that's not even a criticism. We all know that. You listen to the way he runs his schedule. You listen to the way he runs his life. You know, and and Zimmer is such an intense guy. You know, that dynamic of those two getting more comfortable with one another and loosening up and, you know, even just flowing within one another and within the team. I think that's a super powerful thing. Any anybody who's ever been in a locker room knows that when leaders, when their walls break down a little bit, that leads to nothing but goodness moving forward. And so I, 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 yeah, it was weird. It was funny. I think it was a good thing. And I think if we go on a run That is going to be an iconic Viking moment, despite how much people theorized, criticized and laughed about it.
2: My favorite moment um, is also from the first game of the season, just the dominant performance over Russell Wilson, someone who has really had the Vikings number over the last few years, first loss to the Vikings in seven tries. And before that, the Seattle had beat the Vikings by an average margin of 14 points. So it just was kind of like he, he kind of owned them at that point. So now, you know, first win of the season, first win back home, first win in front of the crowd. My first win as a Vikings fan. I mean, it was just crazy.
0: That's probably the best thing you can ask for in your home opener with fans playing against a team that you never beat. And then winning in that type of fashion. Um, you can't ask for anything better than that.
2: Yeah. I mean, every time you game plan for the Seahawks, it's contain Russell Wilson. That's yeah. exactly what happened. So, all right, moving on, let's talk about our votes for the best play of the season.
0: Uh, I'm gonna go with the the last thing. What have you done for me lately? And that's KJ Osborne. He has scored a touchdown for us lately. And that is by far my best play so far in the first six weeks of the season. The 27 yard touchdown, the walk off the helmet throw like Stefan Diggs did during the Minneapolis miracle. And the way that he's been clutch all season Um, I think he is deserving of whatever opportunities or whatever uh, prosperities that's coming his way, whether that's this season or next season, having 78 receiving yards in that game and then having 56 of those receiving yards on the last two drives of that game. That pretty much tells you everything you need to know about KJ. He's clutch. He knows how to make big plays and he makes them when we need him the most. Especially against the Carolina Panthers on Sunday.
2: I'm a big fan of alliteration, so I'm I'm about spelling clutch with a K and mm. clutch KJ. I'm fine with okay. it. Say, si, you wanna go? Best play?
1: In the in the Seattle game, he had pressure, I think it was coming up the middle right at him, and on his back foot was someone like he didn't turn away, he didn't roll, he didn't avoid. He just stepped, faded away, delivered a ball across the middle that was caught for a first down, well being hit. I honestly think outside of a throw he made his first season against the Packers, it was the best throw of his entire Viking career.
2: Was that the first down completion to KJ? Yeah. Yeah, that was an so. insane play.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's, that's who Kirk is capable of being. And so I think when you when you hear people get frustrated or you hear people like, and when, and the, when the O-line is struggling and they're frustrated he doesn't have time, you know, that – that was a superhuman throw. That was one of those throws that when people are like, hey, are you are you a top whatever guy? Are you this person? Like every once in a while in an important moment, you got to lean back when the pocket is messy and you have to make something happen despite your, your surroundings. And I think that's what a lot of people have been begging Kirk yeah. to do. And to see him do that in a game that then, oh, by the way, turned into a steamrolling. I just, I thought it was, fantastic so for me that's that's my play of the year thus far i I mean even
0: to that point he had a similar play against the lions um blitzed up the middle third down he just lobbed it up takes the hit granted it got called back so it didn't count but that was the play to jj that got called back on third down but it's like man like we've never seen kirk make plays like this Mm -hmm. so the fact that he's doing it now it's like okay like maybe this is the kirk cousins that we thought we were getting four years ago and he's now finally coming starting to come to fruition because he's more comfortable.
1: Well, I promise you, when you see, you know, Cowboys, Packers, you know, Ravens, when when you get that run, you're going to need one or two of those plays. <laughs> one 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 of those plays, two of those plays in a game could break you the right direction when you're playing a really really good team. So it's it's nice to have seen him done it done it. Well, it's nice to have seen him done it so far. <laughs> Sounds this like year. my people. <laughs>
2: All right, Jay, your best play of the season so far.
3: I think my oh wow moment uh was the Eric Kendricks one-handed INT versus Detroit. I think in that moment, um again, a game that was way closer than most people thought it should have been, but having him stick out the big paw and and you know, snagging that out of midair and having a decent return with it, I think the juice that happened from that play was was big, not only for the defense, but to get that ball back into the offense's hands. Um, I think it was a a critical moment in that game that helped us get to the point where we could finally finish that thing. But for me, that Kendricks INT was just super athletic and super impressive.
2: My best play also comes from the Lions game. With all of the tall tales of Vikings kickers, I know it hasn't been the perfect season for Greg Joseph, but in a moment where you cannot lose to the Lions – you cannot drop to one and three. You cannot snap a seven game win streak. He nails a fifty-four yard field goal. This is after he misses the one in Arizona. And he was four or five for the day with a career long of fifty-five. So he had already missed one the day. And so to to know that he was able to block out all of the doubt, the haters, the history, any of the, you know, tales you hear about the Vikings kicking situations and for him to get that I know it's just a win versus Lions and it should have been more but for me especially I guess after Mike Zimmer said give him a break we gave him a break and he came through in the clutch mm-hmm. so all right moving on let's go to the next one the next superlative is the biggest surprise so far this season
1: you know I'm gonna go again I'm gonna go with Kirk coming into the season with all the one-year contracts and all the changes and everything being rebuilt and all the new players and everything, you know, I thought we'd take a while to gel. And last year, he had a really rough first six games with a whole bunch of turnovers. And I didn't expect him to be that guy. But, you know, I, I thought it would take this team a little bit offensively, and it would take him a little bit to get rolling offensively. And I have been pleasantly surprised at, the consistent, for the most part, high level of play that has come from him, you know? And that's, you expect a certain, but it's what we were just talking about. You expect a certain level from Kirk. I've been pleasantly surprised by the things that have gone above my expectations.
2: That's a very, very good point. Gabe, your biggest surprise so far?
0: Biggest surprise thus far has to be Mackenzie Alexander. Um, bringing in a guy that has spent, already spent four years here got a contract elsewhere and then you bring him back mentally you think okay this guy he's he's just back to get another big contract but you don't know how he's going to buy into it especially with Zimmer saying you know Mackenzie Alexander he's a guy that was hard-headed at at the beginning but he kind of figured it out the way that Mackenzie has been playing right now outside of that one play against the Cincinnati Bengals where he dropped the interception and T Higgins caught it ended up scoring a touchdown Mackenzie Alexander has been phenomenal this year um, like the question is now, do you move him outside that P2 is hurt or do you keep him inside? I think you keep him inside because he's been playing like the best nickel cornerback in the league right now. Like if if you go back and just watch the film, the way McKenzie was able to slide in and elevate the play of their, the DB room, kudos to that guy.
2: I'm going to kind of expand on that real fast. My biggest surprise has been Bashad Breeland. Now, Go with me on this one, okay? Because weeks one through three, we were a little worried; it wasn't like the best of play. But Bashad Breland, despite you know leaving in the fourth in week four, weeks five and six have been complete turnarounds. And for me, the the amount of difference in play is my biggest surprise this season. So, this is a PFF stat. Because I am a big numbers person myself. I like to see it in action. So he allowed 18 catches, 257 yards, and four touchdowns on 21 targets. So that's not great. It's not great.
1: That is not good.
2: No. No. So weeks of four through six, he was targeted 15 times. He allowed five catches for 43 yards and no touchdowns. He missed eight tackles in the first three weeks, missed one in the next three. Now, if he can continue to play like this, that's great because we need it after Patrick Peterson is now on the IR. And so for me, I know it's kind of a weird surprise, but honestly, when I saw those numbers, I was very surprised to see the difference.
0: The way he's played, I mean, the Carolina Panthers game in particular, how, how well he played that game, that does show that we are getting the, Bashad brilliant that we thought we were getting earlier this season the early in the season is the time you two want to make those mistakes so the fact that he's turned it around these past three games has been very in, well surprising
2: in case anybody wanted to know I, I know a lot of it's been made about him being ranked 116th out of 116 cornerbacks in the league that played in the first three weeks he was fourth in the last three weeks out of 119 wow. so just i mean honestly what a glow up <laughs> Jay, it is now your turn. What is your biggest surprise of the season?
3: My honorable mentions have been Nick Vigil and Tyler Conklin, given the elevation of play that they've had this season. But given the way things were being discussed in the offseason of if KJ Osborne was even going to make the roster this year, the fact that he is now Captain Clutch and is without a doubt the number three receiving option on this, this team has been awesome to see. You know, he talked about on the Audible how how much he worked this offseason to make sure that he could contribute. And if you all remember, uh, the discussion at the beginning of the season was essentially how Irv Smith Jr. was going to be our number three target as a tight end. It doesn't matter about the wide receiver. We'll figure it out. But Irv is going to be the guy to carry the load When, when Irv left due to injury, Tyler Conklin and K.J. Osborne, everyone kind of looked at them like, are you guys even going to be able to fill anything remotely close to the shoes that we thought we were going to get? The fact that KJ has done what he's done week after week and has now established himself not only as the third option but as a third serious threat on this offense in the the wide receiver room has been great. So for me, it's KJ Osborne.
1: The last time the Vikings had three wide receivers on their roster who accumulated 500 yards was 2009, hmm. with Sidney Rice, Percy Harvin, and Bernard Berrian. Brett Favre's big year. This, this city has gone through a wide receiver three drought that is so laughable that we're ready to put a gold jacket on Jarius Wright for his performances. Yeah. So to finally, and, and, and to, to Jay's point also, think about what this means. You know, I know, I know the type of sets we normally run. I know the, I know the focus of this offense, and, and I know we're focused on this season right now. But when Irv comes back, And you have KJ. I mean, did you get KJ and JJ in the same draft? That is bonkers. You know, we've always had good offensive talent. But you're not talking about three very legitimate go-to wide receivers if KJ continues to progress. A, a, A tight end that has the ability to climb into the upper echelon of tight ends, possibly the best running back in the NFL and a young offensive line. That's why when I was talking about the Panthers game earlier and it was like Well, we scored all these yards, we were so close to that being the sort of win it should be. A a big margin win where you really are explosive on offense. I think this team is going to be able to find a balance between being appropriately conservative and appropriately explosive at the same time. And I think KJ Osborne is a huge part of that, not only for this year, but going forward. It's
2: so interesting to see even the league in general, that wide receiver class, from last year that's just crazy crazy calls
0: it the best wide receiver draft class of all time
2: I mean he's not wrong not wrong at all
0: this is debatable but they're really deep.
2: everything is debatable Gabe (laughs) that's why we have
0: a podcast (laughs) (laughs)
2: podcast. all right more debate up next on the best offseason acquisition Jay I will let you go first this time
3: the giant question mark when Everson Griffin was re-signed was what does he have left in the tank and what can he actually do for this team? Everyone assumed he would be a backup. Everyone assumed he would be a contributor that way. He is now currently second on the team in sacks with four behind Daniil Hunter with six. Hmm. For me, what Everson has been able to do, not only in spot duty, but now in essentially starting duty, has been awesome. And so, I think having Everson back in, not only for the production, but for just the juice he provides in that locker room, mm-hmm. I think it's raised the, the levels of everybody on that defensive line room. So for me, it's been Everson coming back this year.
2: So the answer to your question is, what does he have left in the tank? It's full.
3: I, and that's the thing. <laughs> until we get to the – and that was one All of the things. All the
2: gas. <laughs> no breaks.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, and I'd say it's jet fuel because it, he's just been shot out of a cannon for me. And and the thing about it is listening to Andre Patterson talk on, on in different areas – they said, you know, they're, they're concerned that Everson would be basically burned out by the end of the season. So they want to find ways to kind of spell him and to get him to that sure. back end of the season. But I mean, the production that you've gotten so far this season from him, how do you try and, and pull that back? You can, especially when you have some high flying offenses coming in. So hopefully Everson can continue on this run the way that he has been. But it's been fun to watch this season.
2: Cy, your best offseason acquisition?
1: mine's going to be predictive it's not something that's already happened it's something that's just started happening i think it's christian derisaw uh you know i rashad hill is uh, fantastic at what he's expected to do uh you know and he's a great fill-in. but even in one game i think we saw the difference uh that christian derisaw is capable of bringing to the football field and i think If his focus out there is making sure he finishes every single play and is engaged start to finish on every single play, by the end of this season, I think you're going to have people buying Christian Derrissaw jerseys. And that's not something that I thought I was going to be thinking. Normally with offensive linemen, if you're a Minnesota Viking fan, you put in your brain like, okay, we drafted him. Now begins the three-year process of whether or not I am willing to consider that this guy should keep being on our offensive line. Uh, I thought he looked fantastic on Sunday against a very good defensive line, and he's going to have some real tests. And I, my prediction is he's going to make a lot of people look very smart by the end of the season.
2: I like it. I like it. Gabe?
0: I'm going to go with Dalvin Tomlinson. Um I know our run defense doesn't show the amount of effort that he's put into driving centers and guards back. But when Michael Pierce went out and other teams started running away from Dalvin Tomlinson, it showed how dominant he's been like the past two games. Teams haven't been running for yardage the way the Browns did or how how the Cincinnati Bengals did the Cincinnati Bengals game. Like I've kind of like thrown that game out of the window this past Sunday, Dalvin Tomlinson, a sack and a half, a forced fumble, Two QB hurries, and not to mention what he did in the run game by just pushing Matt Paradis back. Like what what he's done versus what we had the past the previous years. Um, I, I think Dalvin Tomlinson is going to be a D tackle here to stay here in uh, Minnesota, and I, I I love that that selection. Even when we selected him uh, this offseason, I just remember looking at his tape and I was like, like teams aren't going to be able to run the ball up the middle, and now. Teams are starting to try to figure out, okay, how do we run away from this guy? How can we neutralize this guy from getting pressures? Granted, we, this team, we we have the most pressures out of any defense in the NFL. And I know people are saying, well, that's Everson Griffin and that's Daniil Hunter. Well, when you usually have two good defensive ends, that allows quarterbacks to step up in the pocket. When quarterbacks can't step up in the pocket, that's usually due to your defensive tackle getting pressure on the offensive line, the interior offensive line. So kudos to that guy. He's been playing amazing. Um, I think that has to do a lot with our our plus minus rate. Last year we finished the season at minus one, and the uh, turnover ratio. This year we're at plus two mm-hmm. at three and three. So a, a lot of that goes to our interior defensive lineman, and I think a lot a lot of that has to do with Dalvin Tomlinson.
2: And you got to think Michael Pierce would also be in that conversation <laughs> had he been playing the last two games.
0: He's supposed to be back on Sunday.
2: Ooh, really? Well, I know the defense was a big spot of concern after last season. And there were a lot of offseason acquisitions made on that side of the ball. And that's where mine comes in. I, and you know, I, I kind of, I chose this before knowing he was going to make it on the IR, but, but for me, it, you know, we're, we're doing the first six games. Unlike Cy, yeah. I'm not going to break the rules. So I'm going to go the first six games, my best off-season acquisitions,
1: I'm the bad boy of the MVP. There podcast. you go. Now that Chris Corso is gone. Now that he's, <laughs> there you go.
2: I've gone with Patrick Peterson, For this guy to be playing at an elite level that he is, as the pro that he is, it's exactly why he was brought in he has helped guys come along in the locker room you know that he's been there for a guy like Cam Dansler who's really starting to come into his own this season he's going to be relied on a lot more now that Peterson's on IR and it's really it's really going to you know he's not it's going to be hard for him because this is something he's not used to but hopefully it'll be a quick fix he'll get back in there just the fact that he neutralized guys like DeAndre Hopkins and DK Metcalf was just impressive um i just don't feel like he's really missed a beat and the veteran leadership was just huge after so many first and second year players were playing corner last year. So um, yeah, that's mine.
0: Yeah. And to your point of Cam Dantzler or Chris Boyd and how they played last year, I like those guys in this situation this year with these increased playing minutes because of P2 being out this year, more because they got a guy in P2 in the room. Mm -hmm. So they've, they've had the opportunity to learn from a veteran learn from a guy that's, that's done it. That's been there, done that. And even though they weren't playing on the field, per se, now they have that that knowledge ingrained in them. Okay, this is how I'm supposed to attack this guy. This is how my uh, technique or how I'm supposed to react to this certain route or this certain concept. So I, I know there will be some growing pains with these guys in the, in the coming weeks, but I don't think it will be as bad as it was last year when we were trying to figure out, okay, these guys have never covered an NFL receiver before. Oh, Cam Darnesley has Devontae Adams week one <laughs> in the NFL. Um, I, I, I'm I'm not saying I'm don't, I'm going you to like take that matchup
2: a little bit better this time. around. I like around. it a lot
0: better this time around.
2: I, yes, very very good. All right, well let's get go into the. There's two more. One is the offensive MVP and the defensive MVP. So we're going to start on the offensive side of things. Sai, who is your offensive MVP so far this season?
1: So uh, you know, I know I think somebody else is going to have this one as well, but it's Kirk. You know, you you ask a lot of Kirk. A lot has been asked of him in his entire time here and. You know, when he starts really living up to what's asked for him, I think you have to consider him the MVP. I mean, he's been without his superstar running back at times. You know, he's had the O-line struggle at times. He's dealt with the penalty issues. And all he's done is lead what should be four game-winning drives. I mean, for a guy whose entire reputation nationally was an inability to come through when it mattered the most, I mean, he's technically led five possible game-winning drives. It's just we've, you know, six. If you count important drives, you have the game tire against the Bengals. He leads that one. You're in the process of leading the game winner, and we fumble. Mm-hmm. You have the uh, you have the game winner against the Lions. You have what should have been the game winner if we make a kick against the Panthers, and then the game winner against the Panthers. So I mean, it's it's uh, it's a lot of. And the Cardinals won. I don't know. I didn't say those in the right order. Point remains. It's Kirk. Yeah. It's almost
2: every game is what you're saying. And
1: then twice. And then
2: twice with the Panthers. Yep. yep. Good. Good muzzle. Yep. <laughs>
3: For me, I'm going to jump on that one and piggyback because that was my guy too. And even just looking at some of the statistical stuff that he's done, he's third in completions behind Brady and Mahomes. He's seventh in passing yards, ninth in passing touchdowns and only has two INTs for the entire Mm -hmm. first six weeks, he's been absolutely dealing and on fire. And I just – I don't know at this point, given everyone always was citing that you know Delvin's the guy that drives this offense, Kirk's been the guy holding everything together and putting us in position to win week after week. You got to, for me, look at Kirk as well. Gabe? Uh, I'm going to go JJ. Um, I think what he's
0: done so far this year, coming off a year like last year, when he had 1,400 receiving yards – the sophomore slump was the biggest question for everybody. And the fact that he is on pace to have over 1,400 yards this year with 10 touchdowns, that says a lot about his play thus far. He's the only receiver in the NFL with 65-plus receiving yards in every single game this season. Since week one, he's had at least 80 in every single game this season. So he's been that lightning bolt, especially when Dalvin Cook was out. We, we needed – like Kirk. Kirk has been on fire, but Kirk needed someone outside of Dalvin to take on some of that extra pressure or that extra juice – that we did, that this offense needed to you know make that step in in the in their, I guess just in the progression of what this team can be and I think JJ has been that person. He's been the guy from week 1 to week 6 and I think that it's only going to continue to get better each week. I think JJ needed a game like Carolina last week where he had a fumble. He only had 80 yards, which is crazy to say he only had 80 yards. But he only had 80 yards because now coming off the bye week, he has more juice. He has a chip on his shoulder. Now he wants to prove people wrong, okay? yeah you said this about me but now here i am so he's my guy there
2: there was a game earlier this year i felt like he didn't feel like fully himself week one and so after that that's when he kind of came alive too so maybe it's some of those just kind of moments that just bring him back to life the next week like knowing where he can get better
0: jj is a guy that needs adversity for him to like make another step think about the first two games last season like he was pissed then he gets his first shot against the the Tennessee Titans and he goes off. Then he continues to go off again. And this year it was, man, like I don't, I'm not, I'm not getting the ball like I want to
3: Arizona game. He goes off like he goes well,
0: off. He's again, a three-star
2: so. recruit. He's been against the odds his whole life, right, you know?
3: Right. For me, I'm just looking forward to the JJ uh, Trayvon Diggs matchup. Oh, that's going to be coming oh, up. That man, that, exactly. So that's my point is, yeah, he, he's going to have that motivation and, Everyone knows at this point that you can pick your poison, him or Adam. Mm-hmm. This past week, they decided to go with Adam, and he torched him for 126 in a touch. Mm-hmm. I think coming up here against the Cowboys, I firmly believe Trayvon Diggs will be probably stuck on JJ, and that's going to be a fun rookie sophomore that uh, matchup you're going to need to watch in Week Seven.
1: Well, let me let me tell go you ahead. something else as somebody who has the wall of TVs and is watching all the games and has watched a lot of the Cowboys. Uh, I was just about to say Diggs that. Is Diggs is – and, well, you listen to this, Gabe. And you tell me if you agree or not? (laughs) Diggs is a beast. But given the fact that this Vikings team has not taken a lot of shots this year and all the tape is prone to show where they like to put the ball, I can tell you Diggs takes a lot of chances and he makes a lot of breaks when he shouldn't. And this is – no kidding. This is the sort of game where instead of being afraid of Trayvon Diggs – You should go at Trayvon Diggs to the tune of a bunch of double moves all game long. This is the sort of game, this could be a Randy Moss-style performance where all of a sudden you go, wait, J.J. had five catches for three touchdowns and 190 yards? Like, J.J., if you really bait Trayvon Diggs, like he spends his entire time baiting opposing quarterbacks, you have a chance to roll numbers up on this guy like no one in the league has before. Uh, And he's fantastic. But everything I've seen is double move this guy and take some chances against him. Yeah,
0: he he is very, very aggressive. That's what I was literally about to say that. Just the past four weeks, the Cowboys have played Mac Jones, the week before they played Daniel Jones, the week before they played Sam Darnold, and then the week before that they played Jalen Hurts. Uh, they haven't played a quarterback, a veteran quarterback since week one in Tom Brady, and they lost that game. Granted, week two, they beat Justin Herbert in the L.A. Chargers, but... You know, there's a trend of they haven't been playing a quarterback that can actually pick a defensive apart if you give him time, in time outside of Tom Brady. So, that, I know that's a hot sure. take, and I know this Cowboys defense is is really stout, but I think there are going to be opportunities. You it a hot
1: take after you jump on my take. No. <laughs>
0: well, I'm glad you you made it hot before I did.
1: You just warmed it up. <laughs> I'm, us. I'm, a little, I'm a little lukewarm. Yeah, yours was a leftovers take. You repeated the leftovers take. Hot pocket.
2: I just have to get my SEC jabs in there and say that JJ has had a lot of success against um, an Alabama secondary in 2019. So Trevon Diggs and JJ know each other well. That's all I'm going to say on that matter, because I'm going to tell you my offensive MVP next. So you can't, challenge my point <laughs> I, I mean, this you, is, you this, can't just like say <laughs> sure your can. sec jab
0: and then not give us
1: this is this is a podcast not a dictatorship oh I, I don't know <laughs> I don't know
2: about that one I might change the rules again um no but uh my my offensive MVP I think I'm gonna go more towards the offensive line you know I I like a good turnaround story if you kind of can tell through some of my picks so far I like comebacks and and People learning from what went wrong. And I think that's kind of key in this offensive line story because week one was a disaster. And we all know that it just it wasn't the best performance because of a lot of mental miscues and just not enough gelling. And I know that you touched on this a second ago, Cy, with your Darasa. Uh, analysis and, and I agree. I think him being in there last week was key 571 yards of offense. hopefully can only go up from there. but but really if you think about it when we're talking about Kirk's success, his confidence in the pocket and, and how well he performs when he doesn't have the pressure in his face. That just to me goes back to the line. I do think Kirk's making better decisions and maybe faster decisions, but they've only allowed nine sacks in six games so far. And I just really can't, I don't think they get enough credit for maybe the job that that they're doing right now.
3: The mistakes that they had early on in the season really colored the the image of what the the team was able to do so far. And I think a lot of that was warranted. Like you said, especially week one, there were so many mistakes. A lot of people were really raising an eyebrow going, mm-hmm. what, what do we got again this year? But given the, the Darisaw take and, and given some of the other players that have s- stepped up so far here in the last five games, um, it's, it's been encouraging. So hopefully They continue to gel for the rest of the season and really solidify to give Kirk the time to be able to keep doing what he's been doing Mm -hmm. this front end of the season.
2: All right. Well, then let's move on to the final category in these in-season superlatives. We've got defensive MVP. Gabe, I'll let you go first for the last time.
0: Defensive MVP goes to Mr. Daniil Hunter. Last year, we had 23 and a half sacks as a team. This year we have 21 sacks as a team going into week 6. We lead the NFL in sacks. Denil Hunter is 6 in the NFL sacks with 6, and I think just his presence alone has made this entire defense better. Um there have been so many QB hurries, so many thrown away from the quarterback due to Denil Hunter just being in its face, being in their face. And the fact that he didn't get a sack last week but got held on 10 plays that didn't get called. I think that shows how much attention deep offensive lines and offensive coordinators are paying uh, to him. And the fact that he's just being himself again and he picked up where he left off when he uh, played in 2019. I think that shows how good this defense can be and will be going forward as we continue to progress. Daniel, he's the best player in our defense, in my, in my opinion, thus far throughout the first six games.
2: Well, since we all can't pick the same person, I'm going to go on the other side and say Everson Griffin, kind of piggyback Ooh. with your point because he, I, I think this defense needed more of an identity and more of a fire, like you mentioned, Jay, where they just needed to be like. Like a nasty defense, they needed an edge, and I feel like all these guys are great, and I really like all of their personalities. But Everson kind of adds this edge to things, and I and I like that in a defense. Um, I think he's a great complement alongside Daniel. Obviously, the sack number, as you mentioned, Gabe is is way up from last season, and I just think that you know, again, I love a comeback story. I'm such a sucker. I just love it. I love when. A player can, you know, and how honest and real he was when he's like, you know, grass isn't always greener. I'm back and I'm going to give everything to this team. And I think that's such a great example to set for all of these players in the locker room um, as he is kind of like the elder statesman of it all. So that's my defensive MVP. Jay, what's yours?
3: I'm going with Eric Kendricks. Uh, Mm -hmm. We all saw last season how detrimental it was when, when he went out. So far this season, he's got 60 tackles, two sacks, a pick two PBUs and a fumble recovery. Like, he is the glue in the middle of that that Vikings defense, and now getting Anthony Barr back and having Nick Vigil step up the way he has the front end of the season as well. I think Eric Kendricks coming in to do what he's done so far this season, he has been that rock once again, and so for me, I'm going to say Eric
1: Kendricks.
2: All right, Cy, out of those three, and I'm just kidding, you got one? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, you guys, you guys really picked the three front runners here. There's not a lot of other places to go. But, I, you know, instead of piggybacking on one of yours, I'm not going to say MVP, but I, I'm going to do the same thing I did with the Dara Saw thing and say who, when the season's over, I think will be considered the MVP. Yeah. And there are a bunch of Viking fans who are going to turn off their their phones right now because <laughs> this is a divisive take that we have been arguing about here in Minnesota for what feels like forever. It's, it's Anthony Barr. There, there's this nonstop discussion about what he brings to the team, if he's worth his value, if he... Because we're so used to... The greatest linebackers in the NFL are splashers. Ray Lewis, Lawrence Taylor, guys who get sideline to sideline and make their presence known constantly. But Mike Zimmer coaches a very specific defense, right? And Anthony Barr, regardless of the statistical numbers you see at the end of the day, is the wheel that turns that defense. He's the guy who should be wearing the dot. He's the guy who puts people in the right position. And you want to talk about, Gabe, you played football. The most underrated, and and tell me if this take is dumb, but the most underrated thing in all of football is proper defensive containment. It never gets talked about on any show. It's, it's not doing more than you should. It's being in the right place at the right time, not to necessarily even make a play, but to make the guy trying to get to that spot go a different direction and let somebody else make a play. Yeah, I'll give you that. And in this defense, Anthony Barr takes what was evolving weeks one through four, and he has now, like, it's like you put the head on Megatron. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like you've turned on the power switch. And and I know fans have their questions about him, but go ask Harrison Smith about it. Go ask Eric Kendricks. You know, sometimes in the NFL, when you ask a player about their teammate, you'll get the really generic, like, yeah, they think this guy is good, but they're giving the answer that they've been coached to give. When you ask some of these guys about Anthony Barr, that's not the answer you get. You get this guy is the wheel that turns this defense. I think he is so incredibly important. I think if he stays healthy, he helps solidify with all these pieces that you guys are talking about the correct sort of working defense that's more consistent and more in the right places at the right time that allow you to stop an offense like you're going to see occasionally in Dallas. So to me, I've always been a big Anthony Barr guy. I'm going to continue to be an Anthony Barr guy. And I thought... You know, it's not that he was mistake-free in the last two games, but in in this double-A gap scheme, Gabe, I, I just think he does all the things that no one notices, and then even pro-football focus, you know, doesn't know how to properly quantify.
0: There were four plays in the first quarter of the Carolina Panthers game that Anthony Barr didn't make or show up in the stat sheet, but he made the play. Like, he turned the ball yeah. into his defender, or he either – got pressure on a quarterback or he was in the rightest right gap assignment like he like Sam Darnold pumped fake three or four times on that I think it was his third play of the game and Anthony Barr was literally guarding two people at the same time and it's like that won't show up in the stat sheet but what he's doing right now is so helpful for our defense and
1: Then you know in like movies when somebody's gonna break into like a junkyard or like private property <laughs> and then all of a sudden, some gigantic mastiff comes out and they're like you know what i think we're gonna skip we're gonna go around we'll go the other way anthony that's anthony barr just when he roams from side to sideline even in not making plays his presence and where he appears dictates what the he just his presence causes adjustment on the other side and i i think for this defense to be as good as they were against the lions and the panthers for them to be you know, a version of that in these next four games, I think you're going to need Anthony Barr to continue to be Anthony Barr.
2: And, and to that point about Anthony Barr being Anthony Barr, I think that's tough for the fans sometimes because he may not be the most vocal in the media. He, you know, he does a lot of community work, but he's not going to come and do a million interviews every week. He's not going to be the face of the defense as far as like a spokesperson. So I think that's sometimes hard to like appreciate how much it's you the, may not hear Tim, from him.
1: One, it's the Tim Duncan effect too, where with Tim Duncan, you know, people think, you know, the last four or five years of his career, it was this constant conversation about how he's the greatest of all time at his position and this and that people forget the first 10 years when see C- Chris Weber was out there and Kevin Garnett was out there. He was always kind of undercut. Like, yeah, he's good, but he didn't show emotion. He's not this explosive player. He's not all these things. And that's, you know, Barr just does his job. He doesn't, just because he's not dancing in the end zone doesn't mean he's yeah. not a, a great sideline, yeah. sideline like, linebacker.
0: Bar is like a Harrison Smith to me. Like all, all they both care about is just their teammates, getting respect for their teammates, and then just doing their job. Like if, if they do that and the team wins, that's all they really care about. They'll talk to the media if they have to, but they don't really care about that because they understand talking to the media isn't going to help with their own per- field, on-field performance. Yeah. So they understand that they have to do it rightfully so but still it's just like these guys in the locker room are what matter most and i want to make sure they're good i want to make sure my guys are getting plays if a play comes to me cool i'll make it but it's about the team so that that's why i respect and i'm sure that's why si loves anthony barr too because he, he's a he's a, a team first guy and he's he's so selfless
2: yep and speaking of you si um we have one final question before we let you get going And wrap things up here on the Minnesota Vikings podcast. Just wanted to get your outlook on the rest of the season. You know what we Um, should call this?
0: We should call this size sentiment.
2: Size sentiment. You've got that gauntlet, the cowboys at the Ravens, at Chargers. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Scratch that. Um, Make sure you edit that out. No, I'm just teasing. (laughs) I was gonna say,
3: so let's call it size sentiment. Let's see how we how we do here. Sai. This is your last thing you get to say as a part of the Minnesota Vikings podcast.
1: I think it's good. I think that's a good plan. Use your Um, time wisely. Since the moment Kirk cousins arrived after the Minnesota miracle, even though we went to the playoffs and beat the saints and we had a couple it's kind of felt like we've had the same team. We've dealt with the same struggles. We've lost the same low scoring games to teams like the bears and this Browns loss this year. And I, I'm just, I'm, re- I'm just so ready for this next moment, these next four games, and a lot of fans are worried about them. But this is the culmination of all this time, where now finally Kirk is playing the way he wants to be playing. It feels like he and Zimmer are gelling. You know, it's just a great opportunity. You know, you built this team, you wanted to compete. It's sitting right in front of you. You have four really great teams go out and go out and try to get three of these wins. Hell, at least try to get two of them. Show that you belong in the conversation. You know, we talked about this earlier in the podcast. This is, you know, a crucial year for a lot of people, you know, coaches, you know, you got a lot of players on one year deals. This is a a crucial moment. I just, I think it's going to be fun. I think, you know, if you're a fan, it's a little nerve wracking because you have no control, but I, I want to see this team break out of what they've been for four years and go on a run against some good teams. Let's, let's go on, a, you know, back in right, right before Kirk got here in the run to the Minnesota Miracle, you know, that year, played a lot of tight football games, but we, we won a lot, of, a lot of nice games that year, a lot of good games against a lot of good teams. Here, here's your chance to really take this step forward, and it's at the perfect moment. If you get rolling at the end of October and the beginning of November, you're ready. You've set yourself up with Mm -hmm. a little bit easier last few games of the season, and you can really be off to the races here. So I, more than anything, I'm just excited after the last few years that we're kind of in this position where, you know, the players and the coaches get to go out and either prove it or not. It's on them. And that's all, that's all you can want as a fan is to, to have your, your team in a position to go out and compete like that. So I have no idea what's going to happen. No clue. And I think after these last six games, pretending like I know what's going to happen would be absolutely silly. It's very true. We could go 0-4. We could go 4-0. and But I think it's a wonderful moment. For a lot of people involved in this organization and it's a wonderful opportunity against some really good teams. So I'm gonna put my worries aside and just enjoy the the next few games.
2: That is that's a great perspective. It honestly is, because this team is battle tested and and I and I have faith in that personally. I like teams that show grit in these moments that the Vikings have shown in the last six weeks. I I know this might come off a little cheesy or just kind of maybe too poetic, but I mean, they control their own destiny now. They have they can make a decision. Are we going to take this fork in the road and be great? Are we going to continue to down the path of, you know, mediocrity and and they can they can choose which fork they want to go into.
3: I, for one, look forward to size text messages being very (laughs) balanced and very just (laughs) cohesive. And I won't have to worry about any more of the worrying or ranting. Everything's going to be fine. Yeah, right. I call BS and I also look forward to the fact that my phone will be blowing up between you and Chris Corso talking about how you're about ready to jump out a window because you can't take the amount of... Uh, tense anxiety that's happening at that moment. Well, so uh, I like the sentiment sigh. I will hold your feet to the fire and for the most part, no, that is not what's going to happen.
0: Well at least this week he won't be texting you guys too crazy. There's no uh, game. Excuse I me. I got,
1: I got nothing going on. I still will. <laughs>
3: I, still will. I, I know you've been around him, but yeah. I don't think you know him very well. If that is what you think is going to happen. Trust me. Sunday morning, my phone will be blowing up right before kickoff for all these other teams going, OK, I have so much anxiety for who we're going to play. I have to I have to find a way to pay attention to this. So, Cy, I, I love the fact that we have these things and it's always fun. I don't respond. And there's a reason at times. But for more than anything, I love this sentiment. You're a coward. I no, you're it's, a coward it's not even that. Rage. It's not even about the coward side. It is purely about: Do I poke the bear, and do we really want to get into this for for the next four hours of my life? I love how it'll be three days exactly. But the four hours of intensity going: Do I text it back? Do I text it back? More than anything, I love having this side of being able to go back and forth on those kind of things. And nine times out of ten, I'm trying to figure out how do I craft a response here that's not going to just turn into complete chaos. So I love the sentiment, but at the same point, I call BS.
1: Well, Cy, I for one, I love proving people wrong, just like the Minnesota Vikings. So why don't you eat it, Jay? Bazinga.
2: (laughs) And on that note, I think we should conclude this episode of the Minnesota Vikings (laughs) podcast. (laughs) Thank you so much, Cy, Emerson, for joining us today. Love your insight, love your energy. And you're um, obviously we'll check in with you throughout the season and maybe even bring you in for some more superlatives or just another temperature check for how things are going.
1: Sounds great, guys. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Sorry. Thanks, I.
2: For Jay Nelson, Gabe Henderson, I'm Tatum Everett. Thanks for listening.